Hello and welcome to Become an Educator, the podcast that aims to explore the secrets to great teaching in our classrooms. I'm Darren Leslie, and each week I discuss things that will hopefully make an impact in your school, with guests from classroom teachers to head teachers and everyone in between and beyond in the education sector. This week on the Becoming Educated podcast, I am joined by the wonderful Patrice Bain. Patrice is an educator, speaker and author. She was the finalist for Illinois Teacher of the Year and a Fulbright Scholar in Russia. And she spent 15 of her 25 plus year teaching career working with cognitive scientists turning research into learning strategies. She was asked by the Department of Education to work with cognitive science to co-author the brilliant Organising Instruction and Study to Improve Student Learning, which you can find online. In addition, Patrice co-authored Powerful Teaching, Unleash the Science of Learning with Pooja Agarwal, which I must recommend as a brilliant book to read. Most recently, however, she has followed it up with Powerful Teaching, A Guide for Parents, which we unpicked today in the podcast. To kick us off, I asked Patrice why write a book for parents, and she tells me why the teaching triangle is so important. She explains the results of a national survey she conducted in 2018 with parents, and asked, within which she asked parents what they really wanted to know. We then unpick the basics of learning. What do parents really need to know so that they can support their young people at home? We then unpick retrieval practice and why it's the third step of the three-step process of learning that makes learning powerful. And Patrice offers some top tips for retrieval practice at home, at the dinner table or when you're watching TV that parents can easily use with their young people. Patrice then goes on to offer some wonderful tips for metacognition. She explains what metacognition is and she then describes wonderfully her four steps to metacognition every parent can support their young person to do. We then tackle something that's incredibly counterintuitive and we discuss why forgetting is actually good for learning and how we can use spacing to really enhance learning. And then finally, we go into a little deep dive into learning and Patrice explains the process of short-term and long-term memory. And we close with some top tips for supporting learning at home. If you're listening to this, why not think about giving it to your parent body for a listen so that they can best support the young person at home. So without further ado, let's hear what Patrice has to say. Patrice Bain, thank you so much for giving up your time to be on the Becoming Educated podcast today. How are you? Oh, I'm wonderful. And thank you so much for inviting me. Oh, it's, it's an absolute pleasure. I, I've, as I said in my introduction, I've, I've thoroughly loved uh, reading your books and applying the, the strategies from your books into, into my classroom. And we're going to talk about one of them at length today. So but before we do that, um, Patrice, can you please share a brief history of, of you and your career in education, please? 
Well, I taught for over 25 years. And uh, so I started in the 1990s. And, you know, my students did well. And I never knew why. Why? Why were my students learning? I was really kind of fascinated by that question. And I just happened to meet uh, two cognitive scientists, Dr. Mark McDaniel and Dr. Henry Rodiger III, who wrote the fabulous book, Make It Stick. And, you know, up until 2006, most research in the United States was done at universities, in laboratories, with college students. And they had this idea, what if we studied how students learn in an authentic classroom? And that classroom was mine. And I remember my, my superintendent asking, why do you want to do this, Patrice? And I said, I want to know why my students learn. And so it was wonderful. So. Pooja Agarwal, also from Washington University, came to work with me every single day. And we helped devise the research on how retrieval works in a classroom. And uh, we still work together. You know, we started writing in 2018, Powerful Teaching. It came out in 19. And uh, it just... And, and I think what happened was I found that, that this information truly is so powerful. I saw, you know, we have students who do well regardless, right? They do well in all classes. But what I found were those struggling students, this was such a game changer. I started every single year with, I'm your teacher and I'm going to teach you how to learn. That's more important than the content I'm going to teach you, which is important. But most importantly, I'm going to teach you how to learn. And these students who tended to struggle, it's as if the world opened up. And I've said this before, it's as if there had been this big party that they hadn't been invited to before because somehow some kids figured out how to learn, but nobody had taught them before. And so I found that my students were just learning so much. In fact, I don't say this too often, but the average scores of all my students, and I had everyone, I worked in a small district, I had, and I taught world history. I had students who were um, categorized in gifted programs. I had students who were in special education classes. I had physically challenged, hearing impaired, visual. I had all students. And I found everyone was able to really learn. And so, as that happened, as I understood retrieval and spacing and interleaving and metacognition, I started developing strategies based on these principles. And that's powerful teaching. <laughs> it's, in, 
in a long nutshell. <laughs> Isn't it so fascinating, the journey of, of inviting these researchers into your classroom to, to validate what you do, but also help you learn how the young people are learning. And it comes to what we're going to talk about today, because you've recently published Powerful Teaching a Guide for Parents, which is, which is an yes. incredibly powerful book, might I say, for, for parents to have so that we can close that, that teaching triangle. So can I ask you, Patrice, why, why write a book for parents and why is the teaching tri- triangle so important? Well, first of all, the teaching triangle is, is a term that I came up with that includes students, parents, and teachers, because together, learning is so powerful. Now, I actually started writing this book for parents long before I wrote Powerful Teaching because working with the parents, I really enjoyed working with the parents of my students. And I found when we got together for parent-teacher conferences, I didn't talk about their grades. They could look at those online. I didn't talk about behavior because I rarely had behavior problems. Students were engaged in my classroom. But what I did, I talked about learning with the parents. And and I let them know that that their child only has me for one year. But they've got you, the parents, for life. And you are the constant. So when the parents learn how their children learn, uh, they can use the retrieval, they can use the spacing. And, and so often as I give presentations, teachers would say, I use powerful teaching, but I don't have time to talk to parents and, and to teach parents as well. And actually it was Ross McGill who as, uh, as everything kind of shut down last March for the pandemic, He wrote and he asked, Patrice, what are you writing? And I realized I wasn't. (laughs) And and it was like a light bulb went off that now's my time to write this book. Mm -hmm. So it is, it's not only for teachers, because even as a beginning teacher, you can start with reading this book because it's it condenses. If you don't have time to do a deep dive into three hundred plus page book, here's something where you can start. And it's for teachers who are using these principles but want to bring their parents on board. And it's for parents who are struggling with remote learning or what do I do? So I just help is here. It certainly is, and, and it's it answers that age-old question of, of how how can parents support the learning at home? And, and it brings me to, to a survey that you conducted in 2018. You conducted a national survey of parents asking what they would like to know. What did you find out from this survey? Overwhelming. There were two main answers, and one was understanding the basics of learning and how do I help my child study? You know, what, what parent has not asked that question? How much is too much help? How much is not enough help? And then another question I asked was, how important is it that, that 
your child's teacher uses research-based strategies. 87% said it was very important, important. And you know, something else, another question that I had asked was, do you ask your teacher about what type of professional development they receive? And most of the parents answered, no. Or do you have, does, do, do you have parent-teacher uh, organizations or your school offer seminars or presentations on how people learn? And over 90%, the vast majority, no. And so I, I want parents to know that, you know, this teaching triangle, you know, they're an important part of this. And, and they can ask on what research is this based? Uh, I, I just think that when we are all in this together, this learning triangle is, is such a help for all of us. No, it certainly is, and such good questions to ask about what professional development that the teachers are exposed to, and, and are they using research-based strategies that will help their young people learn? And, and it's so important to, to highlight that, because young people might spend one or two hours in front of their teacher a week, but the amount of hours they spend with their parents across their, across their, their lifetime is, is so much. So empowering the parents through through helping them understand how their child their child learns and what strategies can use is is, is as I say again incredibly powerful for them. So let's and, imagine and, and once they and once they know this, it's like uh, in the car or around the dinner table. You know, I know teachers who will send uh, little links or or little uh, notes to parents. Uh, about this is what we studied. Uh, ask about this at dinner tonight. What an effective source of homework that is. Rather than have a student complete a worksheet, having a student retrieve, and that's where parents are so important. Right, so I'd like to imagine for the next next few questions, Patrice, that, that a parent is listening to this. I'm definitely going to send this episode to the parents in my oh, school, and I'd, I'd love others to do the same. So can we start then with what are, what are the basics of learning and, and what do parents need to know? There are three steps to learning, and the first one is encoding. And it doesn't matter if you are a teacher or a parent. Encoding is where we get that information into our children's heads. I mean, think about if you taught your child to tie their shoes, or you know, if you if you taught them how to hold silverware, or or if you teach them the stories of your grandparents, you know, these. These are ways of encoding and, and teachers have their ways of doing it, but parents have their way. It's universal. It's getting the information into our heads. And the second step is storage. And too often, this is where we think learning stops, that we taught it and it's there. 
but it's often not there for too long, right? <laughs> and so that third step is retrieval. And that's where we bring the information back out. Having our students retrieve that information, having our children retrieve. That's why, you know, when we teach them how to tie the shoe, eventually, you know, we teach them, we help them, we watch them while they do it. That's retrieving, you know, and, and this doesn't stop with, with young children. It continues throughout. Um, I was talking to someone recently and we were talking about, you know, retrieval and, and families. And I was, I was saying how, you know, family lore around a dinner table. And he had like this aha moment because he said, you know, my wife knows so much about her family and her ancestors and family stories. And he said, it's because at holidays, they sat around and they talked about these stories and they retold the stories. And he said, we didn't do that in my family. And now as an adult, my wife can tell our children these fantastic stories of her ancestors and family lore. And he said, I just kind of come up empty. And so if this isn't a classic case of parents using retrieval, not only for family things or teaching your children how to learn, but once parents understand this third step of retrieval, being able to help their children study, like I said, asking specific things instead of saying, how was your day today at school? Because we all know what answers <laughs> we get with that. Uh, say, you know, I remember last week you learned about ancient Egypt in world history. Tell me a couple things that you've learned from there. Oh my gosh, you are cementing that information. You are so helping your child get that information into their long-term memory by spacing it and having them retrieve it. And that's why it's so important to bring parents on board and for parents to realize that learning doesn't end when the bell rings at school. Like you said, a teacher's only with, your, with a student for how long, but all the hours we have with our parents, this is where we can create this knowledge base with our kids. Certainly, and, and, and you mentioned in, in the book that with retrieval practice, it's, it's that third step, like you shared there with that wonderful anecdote about family lore. Could you share, Patrice, why is retrieval practice so effective and what else could parents do at home to support retrieval from their young people? Uh, well, again, when we first learn something, it's often in our short-term memory. And that, like I said, that disappears. And what we want to do is get information from the short-term memory into our long-term memory because that's what we remember. And so there's various things to do at home, you know, talking specifically about what parents can do at home. Um, like I said, 
uh, having them space and just have discussions. But if your child is say doing a worksheet, perhaps that has been assigned, you know, take a look at that worksheet, take it away from your child and simply ask some questions from it. So the child isn't simply re-looking, but they're actually retrieving. Something I like to do when I talk to teachers and parents is say, uh, quick, draw a circle on a piece of paper and, and draw your favorite coin. One that you've seen hundreds, perhaps thousands of times, right? And you know, drawing, it's not necessary that you are a superb artist, use a stick figure, but, but who's on that coin? And what direction does he or she face? And what type of, of what is that person wearing? And is there a date? And are there other objects? And are there other words? And, and you will find when you try to do that exercise that even though you may have seen something hundreds or thousands of times, it doesn't mean you know it. And so when we have our students reread their notes or simply uh, uh, complete a worksheet, it's like looking at that coin, seeing that coin. You don't know it until you can retrieve it. And so uh, in my book, you know, or at powerfulteaching.org, if you go to resources, there are so many templates of strategies that teachers and parents can do at home that will help this retrieval process. Certainly, and thanks for referencing the, the website there because it is a, a wonderful, wonderful archive of, of wonderful resources, and we'll come back to that a little bit later. Next, Patrice, can I ask you to, to share with, with the listeners, what is metacognition? Uh, and then could you share um, a little bit, little bit about the tools that you've developed to support metacognition that could also be used at home? A definition that I like to use for metacognition is discriminating what you know from what you don't know. This is such a simple concept, yet so often we don't teach our students this very simple step. In fact, students will often study what they already know. And so when they go in to take the test, they have this, this illusion of confidence. It's, I know this, I'm gonna do really well. And they don't. And how often have parents seen their children study for an hour at the dinner table, right? They've seen their child study and they see the confidence that their child exudes because they've studied hard and they're ready. And then parents will see the scores and say, where is this disconnect? I know my child studied, I saw them. Well, the key is metacognition. Chances are they were studying what they already knew. And so I've devised tools to help students, help them identify to discriminate what they know from what they don't. 
So I devised something I called the four steps to metacognition. And this can be used if a child brings home a study guide, if they bring home flashcards, if they bring home a worksheet, it works for all of these things. And it's four steps. The first step is making a J-O-L or a judgment of learning. Do I know it or not? Now, if it's a worksheet or a study guide, you might need to fold it in two so you don't have the answers right in front of you. But if you know what, put a star. If you're younger, put a happy face. If you don't, put a question mark. So you go through all that you need to know. Flashcard, do I know it or do I not? Step two, answer all those that you know. And this is without looking at notes, without having an open book, without looking at the answers. Just go ahead on that other side of the paper. Put down what is the answer. The third step is the first time that you open up your book, open up your notes. Now look up those that you don't know. And the fourth step is to verify that what I thought I knew, yep, I was right. Because sometimes we think we know something, but we don't. So that's why that fourth step is so important. But what happens is now with whatever, the worksheet, the flashcards, the study guide, whatever tool they have in front of them, now they have made that discrimination between this I know, but this I don't. This I was unsure of. And now your, your child, your student has a wonderful learning tool right in front of them to help them know I need to focus more on what I don't know from what I do. Let me share a quick little story. I, had, I used to love doing uh, mini quizzes. I would do them every day where I would simply take information of what we had discussed or, or you know, something that might have been on homework and I would write a little clue, write it down, stick it in a basket and I would randomly choose five. And one time I was meeting with a parent and the parent, she was not happy. <laughs> in fact, she came in a little, a little tense, shall I say. And she said, my son does not do well on these mini quizzes. He keeps, he keeps missing questions. And she said, I asked him about it. And he said, and keep in mind, this was an 11 year old. He said, oh, mom, you don't need to worry about that. That's just my metacognition showing I hadn't been able to retrieve it yet. And she looked at me and she said, what kind of an answer was that? And I couldn't help but smile. And I said, oh, the very best kind. And I took out his grades and we looked at all of his chapter tests. He had 100% on every single one. And she looked at it and she said, well, how about that? I guess he does get it. And so, you know, being able to have our students see that metacognition is not failure. It is simply pointing out those areas 
in which more study is needed. And that helps the students. They don't internalize the failure of not knowing, but they see it instead as a learning strategy. Love the way you've spun that there. Yes, it's an absolute learning strategy, discriminating from what mm -hmm. you know and what you don't know and prioritizing your time so that you then learn what you don't know. Because if you already know it, you don't need to, to spend too much time on that. Thank you so much, Patrice. I'd now like to tackle something that most parents would find counterintuitive to hear. Why is forgetting good for learning? <laughs> Isn't that a great question? It, it, is, it is so researched and so old, it's called the forgetting curve. And I think every adult listening to this right now can think back to, oh, oh, where did I put my keys? Oh, oh. What was that? It's on the tip of my tongue. You know, when, when, you're, when you're in a classroom and you have your students suddenly looking up at the ceiling like, oh, oh, what is that? That's actually called a desirable difficulty. And I would love it when that happened in my classroom. In fact, I would call Students knew if they were in my classroom, I would call on them. Uh, I, I did not simply wait for people to raise their hand. I, I called on all students because my classroom was a very safe place. And I had signs in my classroom. One, it's okay to make mistakes. That's the way we learn. And another is it's okay to ask for help. No one need do it all alone. And so if I called on a student and they didn't know the answer, there was no humiliation. They would simply say, somebody help me. And they would look around if, they knew, if someone else knew the answer, they would call on them and we would get an answer. But then I would say, did you see what just happened? We had a desirable difficulty. There was some forgetting there, but we were able to help that retrieval and now that memory is strengthened. And so when our students, when our children get to that point of, oh, oh, I knew this, what was it, what was it? When we help them be able to retrieve that information, that memory in their long-term memory becomes strengthened. And if we teach things that are too easy, that doesn't happen. If we teach things that are too hard, sometimes our, our children, our students will kind of shut down. But it's finding that forgetting curve, finding that desirable difficulty that makes learning so important. So, so I would stress with parents, when your child is forgetting, it's like, oh yes, embrace that DD. Let's find that answer because now your learning is gonna be even stronger. It's Certain. something to celebrate. <laughs> it certainly is. And then can you go on to then share 
Phyllis Patrice, how can we then use spacing to enhance learning and share with, with the parents and the listeners? What is spacing? Spacing is where you space out the retrieval. Now, what I would do in my classroom, if there is some new learning, I would, I would make sure we go over it the next day. I wouldn't quiz at the end of the hour because everybody's going to do great. They just learned it and it's right there in their working memory. It's in their short-term memory. So you want to wait a little bit and, and, and ask about it later. That's spacing. And so that's why for in my classroom, when I knew something was really important, I would go ahead and put it in my lesson plans a week, two weeks, a month later. For parents, you know, you might want to keep a little journal. How fun would that be? And make a few jots, oh, or have your students keep a journal. This is what we talked about today in class. And then sometime at dinner, you know, pull it out from a month ago and say, oh, remember when you learned about the French Revolution? Tell me about that. What do you remember about that? And, and if you had kept a retrieval journal or if they had, you know, if there's some little notes in there that they may have kept that, that you know about that forgetting curve. And so you can say, and, and what role did Maximilian Robespierre play in that? Do you remember that? So, you know, there's little tips that we can do as parents that totally reinforces that learning. And when you space this out, students don't have to cram, you know, for a big test because it is in their long-term memory. Certainly, and I'd like now to just to finish off uh, this wee section with taking a, a, what you call a semi-deep dive into learning, because you've mentioned terms like working memory, short-term memory, and long-term memory. Can you can you share a little bit about that and, and help parents understand that those, those terminology a little bit better? Well, you know there <laughs> there are books and degrees offered at universities on this very subject. So, in my ten seconds, <laughs> let me just say that you know learning is a wonderful thing that we do. And when we first learn something, it goes into our short-term memory. But our working memory, it can't hold a lot of information. In fact, there's, there's, a, wonderful, uh, there's a wonderful person, Daniel Willingham, who has recently written a book. And, and he says in this book, if you found a genie in a lamp and you were given one wish, what would that be? And his suggestion was ask for more working memory <laughs> because we just don't have a lot of it. So when we are learning new things, that's where it is, but it won't last, which is why if, if our students just learn something, and we don't have them retrieve it, and we don't space it and come back to it, it's gone. You, you as a parent may have thought, ah, 
we talked about this last week, right? And your child looks at you like, what are you talking about? You know, it was there, but it's gone. Now our long-term memory, that's where our memories are stored. That's where we, we think about our vacations and the family lore and, and what we learned about, you know, in one of our favorite classes. What we want to do is get that information to go from the short term into long term. And through retrieval and spacing and interleaving and through metacognition, through desirable difficulties, these are all the research tools that help us get that information and link it to other information in our long-term memory that creates knowledge and, and creates those places where our children can bring forth and retrieve this information. What a wonderful, wonderful explanation in such a short time. Thanks so much, Patrice. <laughs> Finally, can I ask you, what tips would you give to parents to, to help them support learning at home, as well as knowing about retrieval practice, spacing, and feedback-driven metacognition? What else can, what other tips can you offer them? Well, I would want parents to know that, you know, learning has happened since people were born, right? <laughs> through, through thousands and thousands of years, people have learned. Yet we now know more about learning than we ever have in the past. And we now know that people who struggle with learning, who sometimes at a young age have struggled with learning and have internalized failure and think, I'm not smart, no longer has to occur because now we know better. As the poet Maya Angelou said, once we know better, we do better. And with parents who sometimes feel, especially now, who can feel so overwhelmed with, oh my gosh, there is so much going on right now. I don't know how to keep it all straight. Well, parents, first of all, you're trying to put too much in your working memory, right? And so once you understand what can we do? You know, you know, another strategy when, when there's too much in your working memory, whether it's your children's schedules with, or, you know, you have three children and they've got this homework and that homework, you know, there's a real simple tip tool called chunking. How to, how to keep from getting so overwhelmed with information. You know, there's help for parents. There's help for students. There's help for teachers that now more than ever, when learning seems to be changing daily according to what new restrictions are coming at us, the basics of learning, this, these research principles aren't changing. 
And, and there's another Willingham quote that I really liked. And he said, children are more alike than different in the way they learn. Children are more alike than different. So whether you are in the United States, whether you are in Scotland, whether you are in Greece, whether you are in Australia, children are more alike than different in the way they learn. And for teachers, for parents to help understand these, these really easy to understand principles will help take away some of this, this angst that so many of us are feeling right now. This is not lost learning right now. This is a prime time to, to identify what are the most important things that my children, that my students need to be learning right now. And let's find the ways because they are here. Let's find those ways to get that learning into our students' minds, to combine that knowledge in their heads. And so next year, in three years, that learning is there. And, and your children are going to be able to bring forth this knowledge. When I taught my 11-year-olds, I loved getting emails from them when they were in college, six, seven, eight years after they had been in my class. And they would say, oh my goodness, Mrs. Bain, today my professor started talking about whatever. And they said, I immediately remembered this and this and this and this. And it's because it was in their long-term memory. This is not lost learning right now. This is prime opportunities to help our children really learn. Right. Thank you, Patrice. What a wonderful, wonderful response and what a wonderful way to, to close off the, the interview section of the podcast. Thank you so much for, for sharing so much of, of your knowledge with us and, and hopefully many, many parents and, and listeners will find that useful, um, teachers and parents alike. Before we move on to the final section, which is my quickfire section, can you quickly share with the listeners um, where they can find more, find out more about you, where they can connect with you on social media, and of course, where can they go to, to purchase your books? <laughs> well, my website is patricebain.com and it has uh, different articles I've written, some podcasts I've been on, if you would like more information there. I would also love to have you follow me on Twitter, which is at patricebain1. Uh, also, I had mentioned earlier, powerfulteaching.org has, um, if you go to the resources section, you can find the templates and download strategies to use in the classroom and at home. My books, Powerful Teaching, Unleash the Science of Learning, and A Parent's Guide to Powerful Teaching can be found on Amazon 
Also, my parent guide can also be found at John Cat Publishing. And uh, please feel free to join me. To me, one of the most important, one of my passions right now is simply to build a community because learning affects all of us and we don't need to be stressing out about it. We, we certainly don't. Thank you, Patricia. And I, I encourage listeners to, to buy your books and connect with you on social media. You're such a positive force. Thank you. So, so I, I really <laughs> encourage them to do so. We're now on to the, the quick fire section. These are, are three um, big questions. Um, but I would, when I ask them, I'd like your, your quick responses from the heart on what your thoughts are. Are you ready to, to get into that final section? Let's go. Okay, the first one, Patrice, is what makes great teaching for you? I'm sorry, repeat that. What makes what, what teaching? What makes great teaching for you? So what is great teaching to you? What is great teaching? To me, great teaching is when I can look into children's eyes and see the light bulbs go off. It's like they get it, you know, and and they get it. And so, oh, the, the rich conversations you can have. And it's it's this invisible line connecting our brains. Right. That is great teaching, whether you are a, a teacher in a classroom, whether you are a parent, it's it's that connection where, you know, learning has occurred. Thank you so much. And my second question, what, what one thing would you prioritize to help bring about great teaching in every classroom? I'm your teacher and I'm going to teach you how to learn. If we could start doing this in the primary grades, can you imagine the depth of learning by the time students are in high school? Can you imagine if students by the time they're 11 have not internalized failure or think they're not smart, but instead simply, oh, I need to find a different strategy. That one's not working. Being able to teach our students how to learn to me is the biggest game changer that every single one of us can use. Exactly, thank you so much. And my final question to you is if you could change just one thing in education, what would that be? Similar to the last question, teach students how to learn. The information is there, it is accessible. It's, you know, it used to be tucked away and, and written in research, jargon that was so hard to understand. No, it's here and it's now. Let's use it. But what a way to, to close the podcast. Uh, I'd like to take this opportunity, Patrice, to thank you so, so much for uh, giving, up your, giving up your time today. I've really enjoyed discussing this wonderful topic of, of, of how we learn with you and, and hopefully um, the listeners, parents and teachers alike can, can get a lot from it. So thank you so, so much. Thank you. I, I am passionate about this subject and it has been just a delight to talk to you. Thank you for inviting me. It was my pleasure, Patrice. Thank you. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of Becoming Educated. As ever, I would be delighted to hear your thoughts and you can contact me via Twitter at DNLeslie or via email. So that you don't miss out, I urge you to subscribe to the podcast. And while I have your attention, why not submit a review of the podcast wherever you get yours from so that many, many others can access Becoming Educated. I'll be back next week with another episode of Becoming Educated and I do hope to see you there.